you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, we're going to begin in Psalms 86. But I'm going to drag you all over the scripture tonight, I believe. Psalms chapter 86, I want to begin there, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. The 86th Psalm, I'm going to read a, a, a section of scripture. Really, I may just read the last half of it. Let's start at verse 11. Psalm 86, verse 11. It says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy, thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good that they, excuse me, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed. Because thou, Lord, has opened me and comforted me. Let's go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time tonight. We thank you for your good spirit. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for our church family. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather here tonight and to worship you in spirit and truth one more time. And Lord, that's the reason for my prayer tonight, is Lord, that you would just continue to, we've already seen you moving in our worship service, but Lord, our prayer is that you would continue to move in our worship service here tonight, Lord, and especially in the preaching of your word. God, I ask, uh, uh, Lord, this calling that you placed on me is not something I asked you for. It's not something I begged. It's not even something I desired. But, Lord, you chose me and you give me this calling. And so, Lord, as I try to fulfill it, I'm asking for your help tonight. Lord, I can't preach without you. I got nothing to say lest you give it to me. So, Lord, I'm asking for two things tonight. I'm asking, one, that you would, uh, Lord, that you just preach me tonight. God, that you'd give me the words to speak. Lord, that you'd anoint me from on high. Lord, that it would be like uh, uh, one lost man to another, one dying soul to another. Lord, it'd be from my spirit to theirs. And I pray, Lord, that on the, the other thing is, I pray that you'd give them ears to hear. Ears to hear what you would say by your spirit. Receptive hearts to receive your word. God, I'm praying for your will in our service here tonight. Lord, that you'd have your way and your will in everything that is said and done. Lord, I pray that every word spoken here tonight be according to your will and what you'd have me to say. And I pray, Lord, that it would find its target, Lord. Lord, that it would pierce our hearts tonight, Lord God. And I pray that we'd be convicted. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would not only wouldn't just stop there if we're convicted and we do nothing then our hearts grow hard but Lord I pray that not only would we be convicted but God we would do something about it that we wouldn't be hearers of the word only but that we would be doers of the word so God I'm asking Lord that you'd have your way and your will here in our midst Lord that we would submit to you and God I pray Lord I don't know the hearts of people here I think I know them but really I don't 
And so, Lord, if there's any here tonight that are lost and undone, God, let tonight be the night that they would surrender it all to you. Let tonight be the night that they would get saved before it's everlasting too late. If there's any here tonight that have grown cold, God, let tonight be the night that the fires are kindled again and deep in their soul. Lord, if there's any just not sure where they stand, let tonight be the night that they leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that their name is written in your book of life and that they're on their way to heaven. Lord, what I'm asking is for you is for you just to pour your spirit out. Lord, for your anointing to be upon me tonight and for you to have your way and your will. And we'll be sure and give you the glory. All of it. Because it all belongs to you. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you tonight, uh, as I left here a little over a week ago, and for the, you know, the couple weeks leading up to that, it was awful dry, and it was awful hot. And this may sound silly, but it made me awful glad to know that uh, I wasn't in hell and I wasn't going, and that's not where I'm headed. Because <laughs> as hot and dry as it was here, it ain't near as hot and dry as what it's going to be in hell. So I've had several times over the past couple weeks that I've had occasion to think about just how thankful I am that I'll never have to experience the awfulness of hell. Uh, and so anyways, that I've been saved and I've been redeemed. I know that there is the uh, possibility, right, that a person can, the technical term is apostate. In other words, they can turn away. Uh, but that's, uh, I, I also know in whom I trust and whom I serve, and I have no plans in doing that whatsoever. And so anyways, I want to talk to you just a few minutes tonight about the awfulness of hell. And, and, and yes, it is, not only is it an awful place, uh, but it is very much a real place. And it's, on one hand, it's almost sad that, not almost sad, it is sad that we've got to constantly remind the church that hell is a real place. We live in a day and a time, in a culture, even in the church, not just in the church uh, as a whole, but even in the Free Will Baptists and the other uh, evangelical denominations, there is a growing number of people that, do not, that does not believe that hell is a real, eternal, burning place, a place of torment and gnashing of teeth, right? They think that it's something figurative. They think like the seven-day Adventist that your soul just goes there for a little bit and burns up and is over. It's temporary. Or that it's just an empty threat that it's really not there. It's not such an awful place, right? There's some that teach that the life here on earth is hell. Friends, they're going to be in for a big shock because this is nothing compared to what hell will be. So often, the thought I had is a little bit of a different direction on hell. So often we, and when I say we, I mean preachers, present to you all the terrible things that are present in hell. Right? Uh, we speak of how real hellfire is. We speak of the torments, the punishments, we speak of the eternal despair. 
We speak of the brimstone and of the darkness. But in this time that I spent considering these things, I also thought about the psalmist, what the psalmist said here in Psalm 86, verse 13. It's the reason I read you these scriptures. For great is thy mercy toward me. Thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Right? It's talking about there the lowest of hell, the, the, the uh, depths of hell. Might be another way that you could say that. So he is thanking God that he has been delivered from the depths of hell. That that is not going to be his eternal resting place. And so I have been considering the fact that I have been delivered from the very depths of hell. And you might think, now wait a minute, what, does, what is that? What do you mean by that, preacher? Is that the right way to say that? I believe absolutely it is the right way to say it. Uh, right, didn't, doesn't the also tell us that he picked us up out of the miry clay and set our feet upon the solid rock weren't we all uh, didn't we all sin and fall short of the glory of God weren't we all headed for hell if it wasn't for what Jesus did and dying on the cross for our sins and us accepting what he done on Calvary's cross for us so I've been thinking I've been thanking the Lord that's not where I'm going to be. It's not where I am. It's not where I'm headed. And so that's caused me to think about all the things. Like I said, us preachers talk a lot about what is there. I kind of got to thinking about the things that are not there. So let's consider tonight, just for a few moments, some of the things that are not present in hell. The first thing that comes to my mind, and that's why I said I'm going to drag you all over the scriptures here tonight, is the first thing that I thought about is there's no rest there. Right? I get that from the book of Revelation. Revelation 14, 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest uh, day nor night, who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. That's Revelation 14, 11. The key is, is they have no rest, right? Have you ever thought about that? No relief from their despair. No rest from their punishments. No break from their confines. No peace to be found there whatsoever. No end to the shrieks and to the cries of agony, right? No end to the pain. I thank God tonight that I have been delivered from the depths of hell. I think about what uh, Hebrews uh, 4 and 9 says. It says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. I think about what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight when he said, Come unto me all ye that uh, labor and are heavy, heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Right? Uh, do you see the difference there? Do you see the comparison? In hell there is no rest, but in Christ there is eternal rest, right? Heaven is a place of rest. Hallelujah. That fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, if you read that first, what, 11 verses or whatever, that's what he's talking about, is the rest that there is for God's people, right? We rest in Christ, right? Uh, we stop our worldly ambitions and the lust of the flesh and all of those things. And we rest in Christ. That's the opposite of what hell is. You know something else I thought about that's there? Is there's no light there. 
Uh, Matthew twenty two thirteen. Jesus is talking and explaining some of this to the disciples, and that's where he says this should be cast into outer darkness. I think about the way Jude says it in Jude verse six when he talks about the angels which had which had not kept their first estate, uh, but they left their own habitation, and it talks about how God had reserved them in uh, everlasting chains under darkness unto judgment of the great day. Right? Do you notice that darkness there? I think about what is how it says, uh, talking about kind of the same thing in Second Peter two four. It says, "For God spared not the angels uh, uh, that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, total darkness." That's what hell is. Hell is complete, total darkness. That's why it calls it outer darkness in another place in the scriptures. Right in heaven. Heaven, on the other hand. It's just the opposite of that. It's a place of light. Right? Revelation 22, 5 says, There shall be no night there. They shall have no need of candle nor light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. You think about this. Hell, a place of complete, total, 24 hours a day, forever and ever of darkness. And heaven, a place where there is no more darkness. Right? Complete, total light. All of the time. You know, this may be awful simplistic, and, and maybe I'll get a little deeper into it later on uh, in the message, but right now I just want to keep it here for a minute. Think about the physical reality of that, of darkness and light. Uh, in hell, you're in total darkness, and you're not going to see anything. And there ain't going to be anything there that you're going to want to see anyways. But I think about in heaven. Hallelujah, there is no night there. It's not going to get dark. It'll be daylight 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The time won't even be no more. It'll just be light from now on. And we like to think about all the glorious things that we're going to see when we're in heaven, right? The first thing I think about is all the mansions. Now, I know you may get technical with me and say, well, what the Bible's really talking about is apartments. I don't really know what they'll look like, but I want to see them. But we'll just stick with what the Bible says. The Bible says in John chapter 14, the first verse, Jesus said in my Father's house, there are many mansions. Glory to God. Let's just go with that, all right? I want to see what they look like, and then we can have the debate whether we should call it a mansion or apartment or whatever. I think we'll just be happy to be there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll walk up there. We'll stroll up there on the street of gold. That's something I'd like to see. We'll walk along that river of life, right? The, the one, the, the crystal, the crystal river. Glory to God. We'll be able to see the throne of God and, of course, God himself and the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the saints, the angels. Thank God that we'll be able to see all of these things. Hallelujah. I'm excited. You know, they say nobody, everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die. It'd be all right. God wants to call me home. I'm ready. Let's go. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God I've been delivered from the darkness of the depths of hell. You know, something else I thought about. I thought about hell. There'll be a place where there, there's no comfort there. Right, I think back to the story in Luke 
Luke chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus is talking about uh, a rich man who was clothed in purple, and he talked about a poor beggar by the name of Lazarus. And that rich man cries out in verse 24 of Luke chapter 16. He cries out, and he says, For I am tormented in this flame. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 11 says, In the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever is a place of continuous torment. Right? Never again will there be a comforting touch. Never will they be again will they be a comforting thought or a comforting word. Never again a friend or a loved one with a compassionate arm to wrap around you. Uh, no one with whom to share your grief. No one to share your despair. Heaven on the other hand is the picture of comfort. What is it that the Lord tells us? Revelation 21, 4, he says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Do you know what that's the picture of? That's the picture of comfort. That's the picture of what I see as the parent wiping the tears away from the small child. That is a means of comfort. Comfort, that's what it is. And I'll tell you tonight, thank God I've been delivered from the torments of hell. Hallelujah. Thank God that I've got a home waiting for me in heaven. A place of absolute comfort. Something else that I thought about when I was thinking about what's not there. And I was thinking about that rich man and his cry, his plea. And it dawned on me, no water there. In Luke 16, 24, if we went on with that verse, the rich man said, Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. And cool my tongue. When I think about that in the reality of hell, I get to thinking about that cool water. I get to thinking about two groups of people that are not saved. There's one group that my heart absolutely breaks for them. They've been deceived. The devil has deceived them. They've allowed themselves to be deceived uh, by themselves and by society. And, you know, and really the Satan is the source of all of that. And my heart absolutely breaks for them. And I have compassion for them. But then there's the group that they know. And you tell them. And they've been told. And the message has been shared with them. And they just reject Christ. They don't want anything to do with God. Right? They, 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 for various reasons. Right? They, they don't believe that he's real. They don't want to believe that he's real. They don't want to. They, because if they accept that he's real, then there's a, they accept that there is an absolute truth. There is a standard by which to live and to guide their life. They don't want any of that, right? They are absolute outward rebellion against God. And to that group, and I hope that none of you here tonight fall into that group, but to that group, I'm going to tell you right now, you better get you a cool drink of water and enjoy it because you never know when is going to be your last one, right? Because there will be no water 
there. And for those, that, like I said tonight, that hear this, my message or any other preacher's message and refuse Jesus and his gospel, you better go ahead and enjoy your cool drink of water because it may just very well be the last one. But for the rest of us, when I think about right heaven, we see the total opposite. In heaven, on the other hand, there will never be a lack of water, right? Revelation 22, 1 says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Thank God I have been delivered from such an awful, hot, dry place. Hallelujah. And then one more thing. One more thing and I'll be done. You know what else won't be there in hell? God. You ever thought about that? God. That scripture, that's not just in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. All that is good comes from God. And hell is a place totally void of the goodness of God. That's why you see the comparison light and darkness. I like to use that one a lot to, ex- to explain that, right? Light and darkness is used uh, throughout the scripture to represent good and evil. A- 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 darkness is, is an absence of light, right? So that's what evil is. Evil is an absence of good, right? It's a deficiency. It's a void. It's not a created thing or created substance. It's a lack of. Uh, just like cold is a lack of heat, right? Uh, so therefore, uh, 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 darkness is an absence of light. You remove God completely from the place. There is nothing, no even sliver of his presence left. And there's complete and total darkness. That's why hell is a place that is totally void of the mercy of God. Hell is a place that is totally void of the love of God. Heaven, on the other hand, is just the opposite of that. It is a place completely filled with the presence of God. There's a lot of uh, scriptures that we could use for that, but the one that I like so much, I think about is in Revelation 21, 22, where it says, For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. Talking about that new heaven, that new Jerusalem uh, specifically. And we will spend all of eternity, right? Those that are saved will spend all of eternity in the presence of the Lord. Thank God tonight. I'm just like the psalmist. Thank God that I have been delivered from the depths of hell. So let me just say this to you tonight in way of closing. No matter what else you're dealing with, no matter what else you're going through, no matter the conditions, whether it's health, whether it's family, whatever it may be, no matter how low that it has brought you, If you are a child of God, if you're saved tonight, you can rejoice and be thankful simply because you are no longer going to hell. Have you thought about that? You have been delivered from the depths of hell. We've got something to rejoice about. Now, I know what the world says. People often in the world will say, if God is so good, how could he send anyone to hell? Let me tell you tonight, God doesn't send 
people to hell. He doesn't. He hasn't sent a single soul to hell. He doesn't do that. You see, people make that choice themselves. God is light. Therefore, people who do not want him, they will be in darkness. Listen to me tonight. God is love. Therefore, people who do not want to love him will be in a place of constant, perpetual hate. God is life, joy, and peace. Therefore, people who don't want him will one day find themselves in a place of death, misery, and pain. So I got one question to you tonight with two possible answers. The question is, have you been delivered? Right? The psalmist says, thanking God, thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Have you been delivered? There's only two possible answers to that. It's no or yes. If your answer is no, let me simply tell you, the price has been paid. Jesus died on Calvary's cross for your sins so that you could be delivered from the depths of hell. Whether you choose or whether you reject, the price has been paid. All that is left is for you to hear the gospel and to obey it. To hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for you on Calvary's cross, and all you've got to do is repent of your sins and turn to him, right? Turn away from sin and turn towards God. Accept Jesus as your Savior, and he will deliver you from the lowest regions, from the depths of hell as well. The other possible answer to that question, have you been delivered, is yes. And if you're sitting here tonight going, yes, I'm right there with you, preacher. Thank God I've been delivered from the depths of hell. Then let me just simply say this as you go out, back out into the world. Act like it. Act like it. Doesn't the psalmist say in another place that those that have been been redeemed, right, that we should say so? Rejoice. Be thankful. Christians, there ought to be a little bit of a giddy-up in your step. Amen. Amen, hallelujah. Hey, people ought to, they might not know why you're happy. They might even think that you're, that you're crazy. But glory to God, they ought to know that you're happy because you've been delivered. You've been set free. Glory to God, you're not who you used to be. Hallelujah, you've got a home in heaven. Hallelujah, church. That's what I mean by we ought to act like it. Rejoice, Hallelujah. God has delivered you from the very depths of hell. As I mentioned earlier, maybe you're a Christian, you're going through some hard times. Look, sometimes we get in places where we think we've got, you know, nothing to praise God for, nothing to be thankful for. Let me tell you, that's wrong. That is absolutely wrong. You do have something to be thankful for. You've You've been delivered, hallelujah. Right? You've been lifted out of the miry clay. Your feet 
have been set upon the solid rock. As I said a moment, a moment ago, you've got a home in glory. Hallelujah. You've got, a, you've got a place waiting for you. You might have tears today, but there's coming a time when God is going to wipe every one of those tears away. Hallelujah. Hey, we might be getting old and feeble. I feel it more every year. Even though I'm a young man, I, I keep telling myself I'm a young man anyways. Every year, I don't feel quite as young as I did the last year, but I Hallelujah. One day that's coming to an end, right? Uh, we worry about all the disease and, and the things that are going on, but one day, hallelujah, that's coming to an end. We turn on our televisions and we see nothing but sin. Hallelujah. One day, all of that is going to be done away with. You've got something to be thankful for. You've got something to rejoice about. So as Jennifer comes for a song of invitation, I'm going to close in an altar of prayer, and I know that there's at least one need here tonight to be, for us to pray for, and maybe you've got a need. Then again, maybe, maybe you're one of those tonight, and you sit there and you say, I can't honestly say that my heart is, that all is well, that my heart is right with the Lord. Listen to me, now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is your opportunity to come. And to get things straightened out before it's everlasting, too late. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and give you an opportunity to come tonight. Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come tonight? You got a need, you got a heavy burden, would you come tonight? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come tonight? <laughs>